Today, I talk about four ways to deal with overwhelming options. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. I have learned a lot hosting this Relentless Health Value podcast. And one of the things that becomes obvious relatively quickly, if you're the host or if you are listening to the podcast, is that right now in the healthcare industry, there's a lot of options. There are a lot of different paths to take, different ways to move forward. For example, if we are thinking about adherence to treatment care paths and solving for that challenge, I spoke with Josh Stein from AdhereTech about wireless pill bottles, a great solution. I also talked to TJ Parker from PillPack about prepackaged, really convenient pharmacy solutions so that patients easily don't make mistakes about what pills they're supposed to take when. I talked to Bernie Vitti from Pharmacare about MTM, medication uh, therapy management, which is another great way to help patients be adherent to their pharmaceutical products. Then I talked to Kevin Houlihan from Propeller Health. They're doing some really cool things to level up the care of asthma and COD patients and make sure that they're using their medications properly. If we widen the net a little bit to include solutions to include adherence to treatment in addition to uh, pharmaceutical products, I spoke with Shabda Gupta from Wiser Together, who has a great platform for shared decision-making, a really key component adding up to patients being adherent to treatment. Then I talked to Jarrett Tan from Canopy, and we talked about how non-English speakers are something like 70% more likely to be non-adherent to treatment than English speakers. And, uh, you know, he's taking non-adherence from a language perspective. I talked to Sarah Welsh from Noom, and I talked to Jackie Thong from Clio Health, Jack Ruby from Newtopia, Jake Saddlemeyer from Wellframe. And all of them discussed and have very unique and interesting solutions for how to integrate with patients' lives to help them eat right, exercise, navigate their treatment pathway. But they all do it in a slightly different perspective and with slightly different sweet spots. For example, Newtopia uses genetics to predict behavior. Wellframe has a focus on population health management. Noom does some really neat stuff with food logging uh, and making food logging really easy for diabetics. And then Clio Health allows for the management of multiple comorbidities, which is something many struggle with. Y- you get the picture. Navigating all of these options in the healthcare space, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and stymied and paralyzed by overchoice. There are a lot of suppliers who are solving the same problems in many different ways from many different angles. And it's really impossible to know without time which will be the most effective. So what I thought could be helpful is to come up with ways to manage the overload of options. Here's tip number one. Admit that the healthcare environment is fundamentally different and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's a complete cliche that... um, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But 
here's the thing. Isn't it also insane to do the same thing over and over and expect the same results? And isn't this especially true when the world around us is fundamentally shifting? Because it is. But here's the hard part with that. If we believe we know what's happening around us, that's how we feel safe. And that's why we resist change and want our agendas and our ideologies to prevail. It totally gives us a comfortable feeling to know how things are going to turn out. But that control is really an illusion. So it's really comforting and probably our basic nature to put the blinders on and pretend we're still experts. But the fact is that no one today is an expert in much of the stuff of healthcare today. And anyone who proclaims to be some kind of seer or claims to have seen it all is probably, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but it's probably part of the problem. We all need to check our egos at the door right now and admit that we're learning on the job. And until we admit that we're learning on the job and kind of get comfortable taking a few steps backwards and realizing that we're all struggling to figure out what the best path forward is, we are going to be resistant to change. And part of this, I love Esther Dyson said that healthcare today is a calcified hairball. And we will remain so unless everyone looks around and sees that we need to do things differently, that we need to switch things up to come out of our safe little place and recognize that this is the case. That's number one. Admit that the healthcare environment is fundamentally different and get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where we're at. Number two, just do it. Not to totally plagiarize Nike there, but seriously, go with your instinct and just do it. I say this because recently I was at a client meeting and the client had done about six months of intensive research. I mean, really expensive, intensive research. They learned a lot about their customers' unmet need. They learned a lot about a lot of things. But the thing is, is that this particular customer has a lot riding on his success for this particular program, like his job, for example. I mean, if this doesn't go well, he could get fired. (laughs) So he knew he had to really succeed with this particular initiative. So what did he do? He demanded more research to make sure that no ambiguities remained. But I'll tell you one thing that's completely unambiguous. If you don't do anything, you won't do anything. (laughs) And no results are achieved by excessive pondering, as far as I know. David Schwartz in his book, The Magic of Thinking Big, starts, he gives a a really good example, or there's a chapter about perfection and the idea that perfection is highly desirable. But the thing is, is that nothing can be absolutely perfect. And if we wait for omnipotence, you know, knowing everything about everything, or if we wait for the perfect set of conditions, that basically means waiting forever. One example is, you know, let's suppose you wanted to drive your car from, you know, Chicago to Los Angeles, but you insisted on waiting until you had absolute assurance that there would be no detours, no motor trouble, no bad weather, drunken drivers, no traffic jams, all green lights, no risks of any kind. I mean, really, when would you start? So if you're planning a trip, it makes sense that you map your route, check your car, you know, eliminate as much risk as possible before you start, but you can never eliminate all risks. You got to just do it at some point. And I feel like a lot of 
stalling, procrastination, not doing things, paralysis analysis is really born out of fear. There's a fear of failure. But I would say that most people don't succeed because of the fear of failure, not because they actually failed. You really have to overcome your fear and actually try to succeed to succeed. <laughs> and here's the other problem with analysis paralysis. Not only do the laws of diminishing returns apply, but you actually get the law of negative returns, if that's such a thing, because the world is changing so rapidly that, you know, if you studied competitive landscape or whatever six months ago, you're going to need to study it again today. So at a certain point, you got to just do it. I think, you know, we really must be willing to make an intelligent compromise with perfection, lest we wait forever before taking action. But it's still really good advice to cross bridges when we come to them. We got to expect future obstacles and difficulties. You know, every venture presents risks and problems and uncertainties. But we got to meet those problems and obstacles as they arise. You know, it could be said that the success of a successful person is not the ability to eliminate all problems before taking action, but the ability to find solutions and difficulties when you encounter them. So really, advice I would give is in business life, really almost anything cross bridges when you come to them. So number two, advice to overcome overwhelm, just do it, just do it. Number three gives you some advice on how to just do it. And this is the idea that minimum viable product or MVP is just as relevant to buyers as it is to startups. MVP, minimum viable product, is a term that was actually, it was coined by a guy named Frank Robinson, but it was really popularized by Steve Blank and Eric Rice, the two authors of The Lean Startup. And what minimum viable product means is that the best way to launch a new product is to create a version of that new product that allows the team to collect the maximum amount of validated learning and customers with the least effort. So, of course, it's pretty evident how this applies if you are a startup or you are creating a new product. But I think it's also equally relevant to intrapreneurs or people who work for big companies who are buying products. The idea here is just when you're doing your pilots, make it a minimum viable pilot so that you can just do it. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't mean run off half cocked. You, you still have to do some homework and some, some strategic thinking. But the object of the game is to figure out exactly what the threshold is to a viable product or the minimum viable pilot and to stop there and move forward. Number four, get some fuzzy goals. This fuzzy goal idea or tip number four is kind of a tempering, I would say, of numbers two and three. I was in a meeting the other day with another client who was clearly being evaluated on sales this quarter. My team started talking about a three-year vision and this client actually started to get annoyed. And he said, but what are we going to do to drive sales today? So let me give you two quotes to answer this because I want to live up to my reputation as being the best fortune cookie writer ever in America. Number one, is uh, a quote by Sun Tzu in The Art of War. He said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. 
And there's another one that I really like, which is tactics are doing things right and strategy is doing the right things. If we're just doing it, we at least have to have some direction of where we are headed. And what that direction is, I would call a fuzzy goal. What's a fuzzy goal? It harkens back to the idea of how do you set a goal? How do you set a course when the destination is really relatively unknown? I mean, in in the healthcare space today, we know, generally speaking, where we're headed, that we want to improve adherence, for example. But if we set a goal of a very precise measure, or we create incredibly specific success metrics, First of all, we could take forever to do that, number one. But number two, it's very unlikely that we're necessarily going to succeed. But we could come up with something that's equally good. It's like Columbus, you know, setting off from Europe. His precise goal was to reach the Indies. A better goal for him might have been, I'm going to see what's west of here. And maybe I'm going to find the fountain of youth. Maybe I'm going to find the Indies. Maybe I'm going to find some new and uncharted territory. That would be a fuzzy goal. The way to achieve fuzzy goals is a safer way, perhaps, to jump into the unknown than just scattershotting tactics all over the place. It's a way to create strategy without stymieing yourself in some sort of strategic process. So the idea of a fuzzy goal is to select maybe not an end point, but some point, which would be an acceptable outcome. What that looks like is instead of setting a dot as an end point, maybe draw a line and say, if you get past this line, at the top of the line, in the middle of the line, at the bottom of the line, then you have achieved an acceptable outcome. What that enables us to do is to have a vision, have a direction, have a strategy, but without locking ourselves so tightly into one particular tiny little dot in a vast sea of potential outcomes that winds up being constrictive or or limits our ability to take a step forward, look around, see where we are choose the next right thing, take a step forward, look around. The the best way to navigate the unknown is to move forward cautiously, but then keep doing the next right thing. And how you figure out what the next right thing is, is to at least have some idea where you're going so that you might zigzag around a little bit, but you're not moving backwards. That your zigzag line is moving towards that finish line, not the finish dot, the finish line. In summary, here's four ways to deal with overwhelming options. Number one, admit that the healthcare environment is fundamentally different and get comfortable being uncomfortable. What do they say? The first step to a solution is admit there's a challenge, right? Number two, just do it. Number three, What you're going to do is find the minimum viable product or the minimum viable pilot. Number four is pick a fuzzy goal. Pick a finish line, not a finish dot. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a great podcast next week. I'll talk to you then. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin Healthcom.